Hi, this is Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist, and you've been listening to The Great Big Beautiful Podcast. I do like Edwards goes oh my god where did that come from let's do a close-up of that right the whole when I go over to the kitchen in ET and turn around into that big close-up where I say he hates Mexico never in the script that all came out of the moment that happened with Mary at that table when she didn't want her kids to see how upset she was here are your hosts Jamie Green and Justin Connors we just got off the interview, and I know this is the intro, but we just got off the interview, so I want to talk about something quick. Um, the horror movies, she mentioned during she mentions during the interview that she thinks that horror movies have kind of changed into more slasher style, and they're they're not the build up and the story and the characters. And I don't know if you watch Stranger Things, Jamie. I do. You do. I, did. I watched so it. Yeah. That that to me, because I don't normally like horror movies either, and when she said that, I was like, you know what? She's right. And then you think about stranger things. It wasn't like a, I I wasn't really scared during it, but it had that fear. You know what I mean? It was kind of a building tension and suspense and the fear that way that I think, I I think I get what she means. Yeah. It was more, it was more (laughs) tense and, and thrilling. Um, right. Yeah. Recently, um, horror movies have turned into what I hate to use the term, but it's like torture porn, you know, is what they call it. And yeah, it's when it's overly bloody and and just gross and violent for the sake of being violence violent mm-hmm. that's i mean it's a it's a genre of horror film that i don't care for you know like i enjoy some horror movies i enjoy thrillers you know um the movies that really do keep you on the edge of your seat and and scare you with the unknown you right. know rather than just scare you with buckets of blood because that's not scaring mm-hmm. me. That's just yeah, getting right. under my skin and making me feel nauseous. Right. Uh, well, it's like the first time, I don't know, the first time I saw The Ring. I, yes. <laughs> I don't, do you remember that one? That, that was like one of the scariest movies I've ever seen in my or life. Or The Grudge. And I, I was, you know, you're sitting there and you're just shaking the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The um, the Grudge. Did you ever see The Grudge? The, no, I have the not seen The original Japanese version of it. it it's And then, okay. I mean, and the remake, I think it was... Um, Sarah Michelle Gellar was in the remake and yeah I mean those are the types of movies that are just they're scary you know they're they're, mm-hmm. they're on the edge of your seat terrifying scary movies rather than just let's peel this guy's skin off and nail his hands to the wall you know it's like that's, <laughs> yeah exactly that's yeah. not scary that's just gross <laughs> it is it's just, yeah it's disgusting but our guest today is no stranger to horror films. So that's why we're talking about horror movies, of course. And of course she's known for ET. That's one of the, you know, the, the, the thing, I guess, but the horror movies she has been in are many and she loves playing them, which is, I found awesome. I love that. I love that. She loves playing in horror films. Yeah. I think that's cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, then 
it's it's interesting to me that you know she said that it wasn't a a career direction that she really consciously chose it just sort of happened and developed and she really enjoys it so she's not gonna say no to it you know um yeah but uh yeah it seems like you know more typically what you hear is that you know horror movies are are where actors quote unquote that's where they start you know and then they Mm -hmm. branch off to other things but um, she's stuck with them, you know. I mean, she her career dates all of it. I think seventy seven was the hills have the hills have eyes, and then wow. you know she was she was in the Howling and Cujo, and I mean all the way up to now. She's got films coming out this year, two thousand seventeen, mm-hmm. that are still horror. So it, it's something that she you know, that's that's her career. That's how she's made her her, her claim, you know, her made her footprint. I I, lo- I think it's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you find something you love, and you, you know she gets paid to do that, and she <laughs> loves doing it. You know that's that's the that's the dream, right? I, Living the dream. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, but it's not all horror. I mean, what she's she's also right, right now she's on. Uh, it's an Amazon original show. It's called Just Add mm-hmm. Magic, and that's a family show. You know, that's she right. she stars as as a grandmother, and the the main cast is are these you know tween teen girls, um, and it's a it's a very different type of project that she's working on you know it's very much focused on family and good respect like she says and good Mm -hmm. good values and and good messages that they're sending home to kids um very much not like her horror work (laughs) so i think it's great i mean her career really does run this yeah no it's great maybe they'll sneak something in on a halloween episode someday (laughs) (laughs) that would be cool all right that would be awesome so we're gonna go play that interview for you with d wallace right now hope you enjoy First of all, I wanted to sort of go back, I guess, to the beginning. And if you could just give us briefly, how did you first get get your start in acting? I mean, did, was what planted the seed for you? Was there was there something you know, that you can remember? I was born. <laughs> <laughs> That's my best answer. I was born. I think my mom said I was kicking and dancing in the womb. So I was nice. born into a very creative family, although neither of them or any of them would have been called a professional quote uh, and professional in business. My mother was a fabulous actress at our church and in community theater. My dad did the scenery and my grandma did the costumes. So I was surrounded by creativity in the dramatic field. And my mother started me at very early age and I don't know how she did it because we were so poor, but yeah. somehow she traded and bartered to get me what they used to call elocution lessons, mm-hmm. how to speak properly and pronounce your words. And I would learn um, humorous and dramatic readings and go around town and give them. I modeled a lot when I was little and, you know, cut to uh going through the University of Kansas and getting my degree in teaching. And I taught a year and went, I'm out of here. If I don't go to New York now, I'm never going to go. I'm never going to know whether I can do this. And I went to New York and um, did a lot of commercials and a lot of industrial shows. And then after two years, made my way out to L.A., yeah. And my first professional thing was the streets of San Francisco. And I got it because I baked cookies to get in to see the casting directors at Universal. 
I wonder if that would still work today, just baking cookies and showing up on the lot. Uh, you know, I think it would because <laughs> I think we're no matter who you are and what business you're in, we're all dying in the old days of more personal contact. Yeah, good advice. So for any 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 actors out there looking to get their foot in the door, learn to bake killer cookies, and that'll get you in. <laughs> I got the recipe. You can email me. <laughs> also, also, we'll have to take you up on that for sure. Becoming a successful actor is notoriously difficult. So I can imagine when you decided to tell your family and friends, "Hey, I'm moving to New York, becoming an actor." You know, sometimes that reaction doesn't go over too 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 great. So how was it for you? Uh, you know, no, I, first of all, I would disagree with you that becoming a successful actor does not have to be hard. Um, it took me five years, never been out of Kansas in my life, moved to New York by myself. And within five, little over five years, I was starring in ET. So it doesn't have to be hard. And I want your listeners to know that because those of you following me on just add magic, we have a lot of young actresses there. Life doesn't have to be hard, and becoming an actor doesn't have to be hard. But my mom looked at me. I mean, I was. she raised me to be a very strong little girl and, who turned in to be an even stronger woman. And uh, she said, oh, my God, Dee Dee, I'm, I'm so scared for you, New York. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I want you to follow your dream, but can't you follow it here? You know, like, can't you stay in Kansas and become a big movie star? <laughs> and so uh, I I had their blessings, uh, probably a lot of their fear, too, but they always supported me and um, went off to seek my fame and fortune with $2,000, which I thought would last me an entire year in New York City. <laughs> But, you know, I was naive, and I think there is an awfully lot to be said for naivete. Because when you're naive, you expect the best. You don't look for the worst. You allow the universe to bring you some pretty amazing things, and it does. Yeah. So what? here I am. What can I say 40-some years later? And... um you know, now I'm hearing, oh, women your age, it's really hard in the business, you know, and I'm going, mm -hmm. well, I am i don't have that uh, experience, and pretty sure I don't want to have that experience, <laughs> you know. I just want to keep doing, as long as I like what I'm doing, I want to keep doing it till I drop, you yeah. know. That's that's heartening to hear. It's really heartening to hear. And I like what you said about naivete too, because it's when you when you're naive, you don't really know enough to be scared. You don't, you know, exactly. you so you, you you do things that normal normally you might be too afraid to do. So it it, bring, it breaks down that barrier. You know, E T e and and Peter Pan and the Wizard of Oz. They they all taught us yeah. that message, which is why we love them all so much. Yeah, absolutely. It, well, you, know. you mentioned Just Add Magic, and I, I think what it's it's interesting that some of your most enduring performances were opposite kids, um, you know, the, with E.T. and Cujo, and now with Just Add, Add Magic, you're performing opposite opposite these really uh, really talented children. Um, I have to ask, do you enjoy working with kids? Because there's the old adage about kids and animals. Well, I I don't know what he universe he was living in <laughs> 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 he 
kids and animals are the purest energy you can work with. Yeah. They don't come in with agendas. They don't come in with a lot of BS in their minds, you know, unless their their mothers get a hold of them. And I have to say, every child actor that I've worked with, it's been like working with another professional adult. Mm. And um, I adore animals. So the hardest part of shooting Cujo for me was not being able to love on the dogs. I just wanted to love on those 13 dogs playing Cujo. They were, and, and so I, I would disagree with that. I, kids are always right there with you. They always are connected with you. Um, they just are pure. Yeah. And these three young women on Just Ed Magic, first of all, phenomenal actresses. And secondly, just great young women. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, beautifully raised, um, responsible, fun. Um, I, I just can't say enough uh, about not only the the girls that do the show, but everybody in the cast, and how in a world where parents are going, oh my God, what are we showing our kids? Mm-hmm. The show that the whole family can sit down and. Um, really get great messages in an entertaining way about respect and friendship and working together and integrity and all those things that are so important for all of us to remember these days. Absolutely. Um, it, it, it's, it's a little bit funny, though. The other end of the spectrum of from something like Just Add Magic, you know, in the, the family-friendly nature of it and the, the, the positive messages... You've become a fixture in horror movies over the years. Um, uh-huh. And you, you, several of, of the films that you've been in have developed very big cult followings. I'm just wondering, was that an intentional direction you took in your career, or did it just sort of happen by chance? Uh, not at all was it intentional. Um, really? But I, I love to play art, and I love to play emotions. You know, big spectrum of emotions. I like to cry. I, I love to, you know, really do the, the love thing full out. I love to scream uh, and be terrified. I like playing all those big emotional things in a real connected, hooked way. You know, um, I, I wish we could explore some of those uh, things that I love to do a little bit more in Just Ed Magic, not the vehicle for it. Yeah. But, you know, I go off in between and do, I have three um, really awesome films uh, coming out in the next year, uh, all in kind of the horror suspense mm-hmm. uh, genre. And, and, and then I, I have short films coming out where uh, they age me to 80 years old, and it's just this perfect, beautiful little gem about love. Mm. Um, so I, I'm lucky, I guess, that people don't pin me down and put me in a cubbyhole too much. Sure. Uh, they, they allow me to do everything because I think I love doing everything, you know? <laughs> Yeah. So you mentioned the emotions involved in doing horror. When you're on a set and you're doing a scene, 
you know, sometimes four or five times. Is it hard to maintain the, that high emotional level you need to be at? Or you're just professional at it. You can do it easily now. Well, you know, I'm professional and right. that's my job. Do I like to? No, I, <laughs> I, I'm a one take girl. Right. Okay. I would, I would prefer them to get it on. You know, I, I did this amazing movie of the week called Texas Cadet Murders. And I had a five-minute scene about um, the police arrive at the door and uh, tell me that my daughter has just been found murdered. And I read it once. I closed the script. I called my agent, and I said, how much do I have to pay him to do this? <sighs> Never looked at it again until I was on the plane, learned the lines, closed the script, went to the director, and I said, look, I'll rehearse this with camera as much as you want, but could we please try to get this on the first take? And we did. Wow. We rehearsed it several times because, you know, you can redo it, and that's your job to redo it, Mm -hmm. but there's something magical about the first time when emotion hits you and you don't know it's coming and you don't know the way it's going to happen. And when it does, everybody on the set feels it. And for sure, the people who watch it later on experience the truthfulness of it. So, um, yeah, not a big fan of doing 50 takes. (laughs) Is anyone? (laughs) Um, Well, you know, there are some actors that really learn their lines and learn what they want to do by shooting. Yeah. Uh, I, I, for me, I get bored. It's like, Oh my God, do we really have to do it again? I'm so yeah. bored doing this scene already. Yeah. You know, but again, yeah. it's, it's our job to do that for a director. If that's the way he works, I would just prefer directors like Spielberg and Blake Edwards and, you know, um, Peter Jackson. I mean, they just, Louis Teague, Joe Dante, nobody, the big guys don't do a lot of takes. Yeah. The big, not the big guys I've worked with. Yeah, anyway. they know what they want and they, they get it right away. They know what they want. They know how to get it and boom, let's move on. Yeah. 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 Um, you, you've said, I read an interview or, or saw an interview, I can't remember. You said that Cujo is probably the film you're most proud of in your career. Yes. Um, I remember Cujo was the very first Stephen King book that I ever read. I was in the fourth grade. Um, it terrified me. And then I remember being just absolutely terrified of the film when I watched it as a kid. Um, well, I did my job, didn't I? You did your job well. <laughs> <laughs> um, as an actor, though, what makes that film so special for you? You know, from the point of view of my work, I feel like I went as far as I could go as truthfully as I could go and as consistently as I could go in that film. I mean, of course I love E.T. And I'm very proud of my work in E.T. But E.T. didn't ask me to go to the places with the consistency and the ferocity that Cujo did. Mm -hmm. So that's why I just look at my work and I go, you know, it's hard to play. Let me rephrase that. It's challenging for an actor to play constant full out emotion like that and keep it based in truthfulness. Sure. Hmm. 
13 dogs, though, you say? Yes, 13 dogs played Cujo. And let me tell you, they were all taken uh, much better care of than I was. <laughs> I don't know if it's a good <laughs> thing or not. <laughs> um, I want to move quickly to E.T. Um, you played a single mom at a time when that was not something that we saw very much on film or in TV or in pop culture in general. Um, I was the first single mom in film. The very first. Well, that's what Steven says. Wow. Uh, uh, I'm going to go along with Steven. <laughs> yeah, let's go with Steven. I'll, I'll take his word. <laughs> Do you know, was there, I mean, maybe he experienced some that you never, never saw, but was there any pushback against that during development? Not that I've ever pushed back so. about what? Oh, because I was a single mom. Yeah, I have no idea. I've got no dirty stories for you guys. How, how yeah, much was um, how much was that in your mind though as you were filming it? I mean, I'm sure well, he. Well, you know, it wasn't until people brought it up to me. It was like, oh yeah, I was. I mean, my mom, for most of my life, was a single mom. Even in the years that my dad was around. My mom was a single mom because my dad was a drunk. And and so she went to work. She raised the kids. She, you know, he was a an incredibly wonderful, creative man, my dad. But he was drunk most of my most of my childhood and ended up committing suicide uh, when I was in high school. So for me to play a strong mom that held the family together. I knew her like the back of my hand. Yeah. I knew her stress. I knew how she was torn. It was absolutely a no-brainer to me to believe that there could be an alien in her house and her not know it. And because she never she was just. I mean, my mom went to, to work at 6 a.m., took the bus, came home at 7, cooked dinner, fell in front of the TV and watched a, a TV show and started yeah. all over again. Yeah. And somehow she taught every one of her kids, I'm getting all emotional, um, the love and the dignity and the integrity that we all carry in our lives today. She was, my mom was a saint. I don't know how she did it. Took us to church, you know, gave us a good old Midwestern upbringing and, while she was the breadwinner and and doing everything, she just yeah. did everything. Fortunately, yeah. I had a grandmother um, that was a big support system, and I would come home at lunch to my grandmother's house, and my grandma would often pick me up from school, or I would walk back to her house. And so I had that very strong female support system going also. Mm-hmm. So is it fair to say that you channeled your mother in that performance? Yeah, I think it would be really fair to yeah. say that. It's, I mean, if this if this digs too deep, you can feel free not to answer. But I'm just wondering, and I don't know if you watch the film again or how often, if ever, you ever watch the film. But when you see that performance, do you see yourself acting a role or do you see your mother there? I I see Mary. I don't see either one. I see really? Mary. Yeah. I just see Mary. Um, you know, you always use your own instrument as an actor, but if you're really lucky, 
they come in and use your instrument, and that's what I always strive for. I strive to be taken over by my character mm-hmm. and bring the most truthful part of me that they need into it. Hmm. Sounded rather poetic, didn't it? It was sounded beautiful. <laughs> is what it sounded. <laughs> um, what do you watch when you have time? I mean, like you said, your career has spanned a lot of different genres. You're you're very well known for working in horror. Is horror something that you enjoy watching, or do you enjoy something completely no. different from what you work in day to day? Yeah, I don't I don't watch a lot of horror because I'm really a wuss. <laughs> I, I am. I'm really Even though you know how it's all made. And uh, so much of what they call horror now is slasher, and I have yeah. no interest in watching slasher stuff. You and me you both. Know. Uh, I want a story. I want characters we care about. Um, and to answer your question, I will watch anything with Viola Davis in it. Mm-hmm. I love to watch her work and her ferocity and her truthfulness. Anthony Hopkins. Um, I love relationship pictures. But I have to say a lot of the pictures that are up for Academy Awards and all this hype is going about them, I left and I, a lot of them I went, yeah, it was good, but I wouldn't go out and go, oh, my God, you have to see this movie, right? So um, I want something that moves me and uh, Fences, oh, my gosh, incredible movie this year. The film mm-hmm. Loving, beautiful, yes. beautiful movie. Um, Have you seen Hidden so, Figures? Huh? Have you seen Hidden I Figures? I haven't seen it yet. That's, yeah. I've got to get up to see that because it's my kind of my kind of movie. Yeah, you want you want a film that you're going to walk out and try to find everybody you know and tell them to go see it because it moved you. That's the film. Absolutely, and those are the films I want to do too. Yep. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, Cujo for me. Wasn't a horror film. Cucho for me was a story about the ferocity of a mother's love and Absolutely. what she would do to protect the child that she had to protect. That's what it was about for me. And yeah. again, I have a lot to call on in my life with that. Hmm. The Howling, interestingly enough, was all about the fight of good and evil to me. And I do a lot of healing work now. I've been doing healing work now for over 30 years. I have a a huge community. And um, so it isn't surprising to me that in my earlier years and in a lot of my horror stuff, I'm looking at and playing around in the field of light versus dark, good versus bad, right? Because um, it was teaching me the different shades of light and darkness, and that's what I deal with now in my healing. And I think that's what we all deal with in anything that we're doing right now. I wanted to quickly ask you about that, about your work as a healer. I mean, you've written several books. You you host a weekly call-in show, among other things. In terms of how fulfilled the work makes you feel, can you compare it with your acting career, or are they just too dissimilar? They're totally different ways that you find fulfillment. Um, I, can, I can connect it uh, to my acting when I'm in an amazing project that I get to channel a lot. 
um, where, you know, there are some projects where they, they just want you to live in your head more. Mm-hmm. Not so much fun for me. Um, I really do want to go in and allow that character to totally take me over. Yeah. So that if the director says, D, and this happened with Steven so many times, why why, why did you do that? Why did you choose that? I, and I don't ever choose anything. Mm-hmm. And I went, you know, I'd say, Stephen, that's not me. It's, it's Mary. I mean, Mary, I, I didn't want my kids to, to see me cry and be emotional over the girl that my husband was in Mexico with. And so I had to get up and leave the table. That wasn't in the script. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah. That whole, and this happens on every film I do. Every film I do. Blake Edwards goes, oh, my God, where did that come from? Let's do a close-up of that. Right? The whole, when I go over to the kitchen in E.T. and turn around into that big close-up where I say he hates Mexico, never in the script. That all came out of the moment that happened with Mary at that table when she didn't want her kids to see how upset she was. That's when the magic happens, you see, is when, is when nobody is so plugged into how they see it or how it has to be that moments like that can happen, and then everybody can go, oh, wow, let's make some more magic out of this. Let's make, oh, my gosh, I saw the truth in that. When you come in, and, and you know, I'm saying this to all the, the writers in our industry now, Write your brilliant pieces. We couldn't do it without the brilliant writing on the page. That's where it all starts, right? Yeah. But be open to the magic that an actor can bring. Because sometimes what goes on with the actor, you can't see when you're writing it on the page. And when you bring the two things together and then the director comes in and he goes, oh, my God, let's do and let's try it. I mean, Peter Jackson literally had broken down an entire set and was moving the whole set. And all of a sudden, I went, oh, my God, Peter. Oh, my God, this is what it's about. This is what this moment's about that we were looking for. And he stopped and he looked at me and he went, everybody, bring everything back. We're going to do another take. You know, but you have to, everybody's ego has to be in check so that it's, it's this brilliant collaboration of, of the best, truest moments that can happen. That's when it's the most exciting thing on earth. Dee, thank you so much for your time. This has just been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Great interview, guys. Thank Thank you you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) I have a funny story about E.T. And it's not about me. My sister married a guy. She was telling me one day that when he was a kid and they would try to watch E.T., he would never watch it. And he had, like, nightmares about E.T., He, the alien itself. He he hated E.T. and was scared to death of him and thought that. Yeah, and like as a kid, he would check their trunk in their back seat when they would get in to see if ET was in their car. That's how scared he was of ET. 
So maybe E.T. can be considered a horror it, film in some ways. For, for him. some people, it very much is. E.T. is a terrifying little alien. I and mean, he's... Right. I know it's it's gone into record books as this wholesome family film beloved by everybody, mm-hmm. but yeah, E.T. is really creepy. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna and I know I probably shouldn't say this since we just talked to D, but I'm gonna come clean here and I'm gonna admit that I don't really like E.T. Oh Yeah, I know it's it's Uh-oh. my mom loves it, so I saw it a whole mm-hmm. bunch of times when I was a kid. Um it right. is not a movie I would ever sit down to watch. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I'm the same, but I was kind of too young for it when it was out, um, or, or my parents just didn't show it to me. So, I, I watched it obviously, but not. I don't have like good fond memories of it, yeah. like being in love with it or anything. No, I don't. But it is definitely one of those movies that you know set the set pop culture off on like a blockbuster. You know what I mean? The blockbuster releases yeah. and how Spielberg-type movies. I mean, it came out in 1983, though, and there was a certain other yes. movie that came out in 1983 that did have my heart, you know, and it had Ewoks in it, so Ewoks right, will trump in right. E.T. Every, ta- every, every day of the That's week. That's true. That's true. That's <laughs> true. But E.T. is in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> in the same way that R2-D2 is in the Star Trek universe, though, right? I mean, it's yes. just sort of there in the background. They don't make a thing about it. <laughs> You're not going to admit that E.T. was there. No, he was there. I've seen the pictures. I've seen the, the screen yeah. caps. I know. I'm not doubting it. <laughs> he was just in one of those movies. We it was a whole about. bunch of creepy little senators. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much for coming back week after week. If this is your first time listening, we have tons of other episodes you can go and download for your car ride or your journeys or whenever you listen to us. Maybe you're falling asleep right now (laughs) in your bed listening. I don't know. Hit that subscribe button. You can download some more. Also, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at the GBB podcast uh, for both of them. Facebook.com slash the GBB podcast and on Twitter. And I am Justin at 140 Justin C. And I am Jamie at The Roarbots. And we will see you next time. Same place, same time, every week. (laughs) Take care, (laughs) guys. See you later. This podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash geekdad. 